Thanks for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators. We're talking about experiencing God at the moment through this month and I don't know about you, I want to experience God more. I would like to experience more of God as well. I think that we get kind of a glimpse and then we keep chasing that glimpse where God says, hey, I've actually got more than just the glimpse you've seen. I see this all the time with people who have been in church back in the day, you know, back in the, like before you, the back in the day. It doesn't matter when you were, it's back before that, you know? And they've got a glimpse of God and they wanna go back to the day when they had that glimpse and we wanna get that glimpse again. And I just feel God's always saying, I've got more than just a glimpse. Like there's, I, I wanna experience more of God and I wanna experience God more. Anyone else in, here tonight? Yeah? And so I think that this is a normal thing for all believers, people who are seeking God and wanting to grow in their faith and grow in, in, in all things that God has for them. We want to experience Him more, not just hear about Him, not just learn and educate us. Like I love learning a new Greek word because it impresses all my Christian friends, but I want to experience Him to a greater extent. Or as Paul puts it in Corinthians, from in ever-increasing glory. I want to find out the new things that He has for me. And this takes a little shift in our life. Every single one of us, we need to continually make these different shifts in order to to experience God to a greater degree. And this little shift is from putting myself at the center of my life and replacing that spot with God and being God-centered rather than, well, the other option is self-centered. And this is in all areas of our life when we look at uh, the dreams that I have, the ambition, like I come up with my own dreams and, and rather than here I am, Lord, send me, it's there I go, God, catch up, yeah? It's here I go, can you bless that one? Rather than, Lord, here I am, give me the desires for my heart to have. Give me the things that I, I should be eager for. And this is the reality for all of us is that regardless of the dreams, the hopes, the visions that you've come up with, they, that God has greater ones for you. That unless it is a God-sized dream, you are just kidding yourself. You are belittling what God has put within you. And so we need to go, well, Lord, how can I get myself out of the center of my world and put you there where you belong? I see this even in when we read the Bible, right? How many of you read, like me, read yourself into the position of the hero? Yeah? You're reading David. You're never Goliath, are you? Like, oh Lord, how can I learn from David? And that's great, we need to learn from David. But the reality is, I'm the scaredy cat uh, Hebrews in, over the mountains. And David is Jesus. That, that's, what, that's why it's, it's a type of pointing to this is, you needed a redeemer, a saviour. You can't be the saviour. There was a saviour there for you. You were scared and lost and hopeless, gone. I was never the Philistines, never the enemy. In the New Testament, I'm always like, oh, I want to be Peter walking on water, but not Peter sinking, or Peter talking, or Peter chopping off ears, or Peter in many situations. But like, I, I, I'm John, the one who Jesus loved. Not, not John who walked away from the cross. <laughs> like, oh, like, oh. I read myself into there, and we look at it and go, what great mighty man. Wasn't David a mighty man? Wasn't Abraham a mighty man of faith? Who He just kept going and going and established the, the people of God. And we kind of miss the point that they aren't the heroes even close. 
that the heroes in all of those stories, and we look at Paul planting churches and establishing the New Testament church, wow, wouldn't it be great to be a Paul? No, wouldn't it be great to partner with God who can do anything even through someone like Paul? When we look at David, what a mighty man. No, what a flawed, frail man and a great God still. Abraham, well, he left and he like started the, uh, his own nation. Wow, isn't that fantastic? No, <laughs> isn't God fantastic? If what he could do with someone with just a mustard seed of faith and willing to go. See, God is the hero through Scripture, not the people, and it's not us. It's his self-revelation to us. And in every area of our life, I wonder what it could look like for us to replace ourselves at the center and put God in there. Because how, how will we experience God to a greater degree? And how will we experience what God wants to do in this church and through this city and this region? Uh, in Mark 8:33, it says, Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples and reprimanded Peter. <laughs> I've been called out in school in front of all your friends. No, me neither. It says this. <laughs> it says, get away from me, Satan. He didn't forget what his name was. It wasn't, oh no, what is, that? What is it? No, he knew his name was Peter, but he says, get away from me, Satan, he said. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's view. Now here you see that the idea of not laying your life down the idea of not laying down your preference, your comfort, your attitude, not laying down your, your plan to Jesus is more aligned with Satan's thinking than with God's. You catch that? I just lost a couple of hundred friends, I have a feeling, but. Hear my heart here tonight is I'm very interested in the state of your soul. I think God is. And that we can play around and smile and pretend everything is okay, but he is so serious about the state of your soul that he sent his son to die on the cross for you. And so when he comes here and says, hey, anything that deviates from God's best for you is the worst. It's not second best. There's two options. It's God's best or it's, just, it's bad. And anything for Jesus at this time Anything that deviated from God's plan, even though it required a cross, to him was more aligned with Satan's plan than with the Father's plan. The dreams that I come up with, the things and comforts and preferences that prevent me from moving in the way that God wants me to move, there's only, eternally there's only two, another option. For me, I don't even need a cross to hesitate. Anyone else? I just need mild inconveniences to hesitate with my faith. You know, like, I'm tired. And it's a Sunday. And then God says, Doug, you're preaching. You've got to go. <laughs> no, you're rostered on. No one else is ready. I'm like, I don't do that. You know, like, just a bit nervous or it's uncomfortable, or what's the time commitment to that, Lord? And he goes, well, I gave my life for you. And you're like, well, I'll give an hour every fortnight for you, as long as I still feel valued. Rather than called. I, I, I don't know about you, this is probably just me. You guys have all sorted this out. 
But here we find Jesus is saying, come on, that there is something greater for you. Don't listen to the voices that are trying to deviate you from God's will and God's plan because it's not just good and close enough, it is the worst. God has the best for us. And for me, when I look at this story, I'm so grateful that Jesus didn't listen to the voices of comfort and preference, but he decided to go to the cross. We know that he had the tension because in the Garden of Gethsemane, you see him in tears and blood and sweat saying, Lord, if there is another way, choose that one, please. Can I take another path rather than the one that ends in crucifixion? And so Jesus had this tension already. And he goes, yet not my will, but yours. I am grateful that he withstood the cross for my salvation. Anybody else? Has anyone experienced the love or the grace, the power of Jesus Christ, all tracing back to him saying, I will go to the cross, I'm not choosing myself. Anyone? Come on, we can see here that there was and there is still power in a God-centered life. That there was power in it not just for himself, and I know straight away because I know myself, I know my humanity, so I can hear yours, is it wasn't even just for Jesus here, that we know that the God-centered decision he made is still making repercussions to us today. Come on, what if the people, the body of Christ, all decided to be sold out God-centered? What impact could that have on others? I know we're sitting here going, well, what, what will I get from this? But can, just for a second, what could the world look like from this? What could your community, your family look like from a shift in your life from putting yourself at the middle to putting God at the middle? Well, if Jesus is our example, which I still believe he is, I think that it could have generational impact. It could have eternal impact into numerous people. But it requires a shift of thinking. Anyway, he continues. This is all red letters, by the way. This isn't, isn't Doug coming up with things. Mark 8, 34, it goes, then calling the crowd to join his disciples. So this wasn't just the tight-knit ones. This wasn't the ones that had bought in. This was also including the people around the perimeters, just checking it out. Jesus was talking to all of them. He says this, that uh, if any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, not his, not people next to you, yours, and follow me. If you want to hang on to your life, you will lose it. In other words, if you want to just own yourself and own your own life and pursue your own things and separate from God, well, ultimately, you'll lose. But if you give up your life for my sake, surrender it to God, and for the sake of the good news, you'll save it. In other words, you will get God's best when you put him at the center See, I believe that too many of us want to be saved without being surrendered. And too many of us want the crown without the cross. The crown of glory that he promises us, the promised land without actually following and going through the journey. But here's the thing, is that the Christian life is a surrendered life. It is one that says, well, not your will, not my will, but yours, Lord. Here, I will lay this thing down. What, what is the offense? What is the thing that is harming? Not just this relationship, but ultimately me. The things that I like holding on to. What are the things that I, I... 
would be beneficial for me to lay down, but I just like them. I like this comfort, I like this preference, I like this kind of way of spending my time and my resource and my, my life. I wanna pursue these. What, what are the things that we might have to lay down? The way we see ourselves and our thoughts, our attitudes, our, the way that we've crafted our identity of surrendering, surrendering it to say, well, God, what have you set first and foremost? Jesus puts it plain and simple. Essentially, if you want to continue to experience God to a greater and greater degree, to experience this life and life abundantly, it's not found in a self-centered life, but a God-centered one. It's denying ourselves, And this, this whole idea, let me pause for a second, this self-denial that he's talking about here isn't denying our personality. It's not just denying the way that he actually created us, our DNA, our uniqueness. It's not denying all the nice, good things that we have. All it is is willing to deny the idolatry of self-lordship that runs in opposition to God's will for your life. Because that's what it is. All through the Bible, it would, it would call, if we were to talk to them, they would call it idolatry, where we put ourselves first and make sure that we are worshipped. But to come and surrender it to Jesus... Going, hey, if you have a different plan, I might struggle with it and I might make plenty of mistakes, but thank God for his grace to say, come on, let's move back. Let's move back. Just in an instant, path can go from way miles off course to back on track. Why? Well, because of the grace of God. I'm so thankful for that. But he keeps calling us going, there, I have a better way. I have a better way for you. I have something that will bring life and life abundantly, freedom from your past, power to live and something for your future. But we have to lay down the idols. And I've found in my life, and I've been in church for a long time, I've found nearly the number one idol is always ourself. And here's the thing, church, that it is impossible for you to stay the same as you are right now and follow God. It is impossible to stay where you are and follow God. To have the same attitudes and to have the same kind of understanding and move to where God wants you to move to. Let's have a look. You got Noah, couldn't continue living his life as usual and build an ark. That was an inconvenience. That was a time commitment. That was a resource commitment. That was humiliating for him. <laughs> but there was a change that had to make. Abram had to leave Ur and Haran to father a nation. He couldn't stay comfortable and do that. Moses couldn't stay isolated in that part of the desert to lead a people, a millions of people to the promised land in that part of the desert. He had to give up one desert for another desert. David had to leave his sheep to become the king. You've got Matthew had to leave his tax collector's booth to follow Jesus. And I know that for each one of us, regardless of where we're at and how we feel, if we want to experience the power of God in increasing ways of our life, that we won't be able to stay the same in our faith. We won't be able to contain the same vision and still achieve God's vision for our life. We won't, have to, we won't be able to just live with the same attitudes and thoughts and, and opinions of ourselves, others, God, the church. Those will all have to continually move and surrender to what Jesus says if we want to experience what he has for us. It's going to have, we, we can't stay here and move there at the same time, guys. And I don't know about you, but I want what God has for me and constantly hesitate because here is so nice. I like it here. This is comfort. I know this. 
I'm not insecure much here. This is lovely. And God said, yes, but I've called you to that. And you're like, well, could you just do it? Here is me letting go and letting God. (laughs) He goes, that's fantastic to let go, but you won't grab hold of something that I'm asking you to take hold of. We have to change. I like how C.S. Lewis puts it. He's more eloquent and friendlier than me. In this section, he's, he's rougher later. But it says this, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. See, so I think we've got this idea of, oh, God wants to take all my fun away. But he goes, no, I want to get you to stop eating mud pies because I've got something better for you. It's like I I argue with my kids sometimes about boundaries. Sometimes, (laughs) all the time. (laughs) And they feel that I'm taking away their fun. Whereas I go, I'm not taking away your fun. I'm making sure you don't get hit by a car. I have more fun for you here. It's called staying alive. <laughs> it's called the best for you. Oh, I just want to do, do what I want. And it's like, well, under, uh, you, under your own house, and I've seen their bank account, it won't look flash. <laughs> but in the Father's house, come on, this is living. This is great. They're like, it's not fair. I say, it's not fair. You get all of this for free. Just like us with our heavenly Father. It's in the Father's house that all of a sudden we find freedom. That we find, hang on, I, gotta, I could drop my mud pies and I can grab hold of the things of God. Whew. But here's the thing is you can't, I, I can't find a way to make loss less lossy. Unless we keep our focus on the things that we're going to gain by having a loss of what we let go of in order to grab hold of something new. We will all, while we continue to look at what we're giving up, it will always feel like a great loss. Even if it's mud pies, even if it's our sin, even if it's our bad attitude and we know it, if I have to change it and I'm focusing on this, it'll feel like a loss until our eyes get off the mud pies and back onto the glory that God's got before us. So look at the author of Hebrews talks about Jesus this way. He says, because of the joy awaiting him, Jesus endured the cross disregarding its shame now it doesn't say because Jesus found joy in being crucified that he loved crosses that he found joy in it no he said that he could see beyond the suffering he could see beyond the comfort and beyond the sacrifice that was coming to say there is greater joy in this path people and this is where Peter's going don't go down there it's going to hurt and Jesus like you're focusing on the wrong thing I'm not even seeing the pain because I'm seeing what's beyond it. In the will of God, there is greater joy laying ahead of us. But here's the thing, we are so in love with our mud pies that it feels like a great loss if we were to starve ourselves of them. Our beliefs, our, I don't know, our behaviours, I don't know what God's talking to you about now, but he's trying to talk to me and I keep talking so I stop listening He's been nailing me this for weeks. The mud pies that I'm so easily pleased with. The habits and the, the thoughts, the addictions, the, the things that I just tend to like, my preference, my, my TV, my internet, my 
conversation, my way of spending time. He just, Lord, don't change this, but also take me there. He goes, I'll stop waiting in the mud. Here's the thing, church. I know that this is really confrontational. It feels a bit, doesn't it? But I don't want us to be a church that is playing around in the mud when Jesus is inviting us into the kingdom. Like my kids, with, they can have their own house, but God, trust me, it's better in the Father's house. And I feel that, well, this is a constant invitation, but tonight, on behalf of Jesus, I'm wanting to invite us out of the mud and into the kingdom, into the Father's house, under his covering, where there's favor, where there's miracles, where there's blessing, where there's purpose, greater than the one that I've assigned myself. But we have to let go of some things that maybe are uncomfortable to let go of or not preferential to let go of. Our self-desires, our self-idolatry. And be willing to be, or have a posture of, here I am, Lord. Would you do a work in me? I love this example that Jesus calls us into. It's found in Matthew 11. It says this, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens. Points out pretty clear who's carrying what there. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And this yoke he's talking about, a lot of people can translate it a different way of a a rabbi's teaching or whatnot, but this one literally translates into yoke, which is a bent piece of wood that helps you carry a bigger load and connects you to another thing. So, like an ox, two ox plowing, keeps them going straight in the right same direction. They can't pull away when you're yoked to something else, you're heading off in the right direction. But also means that you can pull a greater load when you are yoked. Got it? Good enough. It goes on. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. See, Jesus is talking to people here who are carrying their own burdens, who are carrying the consequences, or that's how I word it, the consequences of their self-lordship. Is that, hey, are you weary? Well, all the pressure's on you. Are you tired of it? Has he got this heavy burden on your shoulders? Well, it would be on your shoulders. If, if you've put yourself at the center, it is all on you. He said, well, he's inviting these people. Thank goodness, not just the good ones. He invites the me ones. And says, would you still come? And here's the key, church. He doesn't invite you to come that you might leave yokeless, but that you might take up the right yoke, one that is easier and one that is light. One that is not you carrying the burdens, but you're actually yoked to the one that takes you in the right direction. Going down this path, oh, that's where I'd like to go, but it just seems hard. Can I tell you? It's because you're not called to it. You know, I just go down this way and I feel guilt or shame. I feel like I'm missing out on something of God. I'll tell you, it's because you are. But when we yoke to the right person, when we yoke to Jesus, it becomes easy, this breath, this wind in our sails. And the New Testament word for Holy Spirit is this pneuma. It's got a silent P at the start, pneuma. And it means the breath of God or wind. The Hebrew word is ruach, which is violent exaltation. And what this means is when we have the Holy Spirit, we get that fresh breath in our lungs. All of a sudden that wind in our sails, that, that cool breeze that just in a hot day like today, come on, a cool breeze was nice when it came through. But this is what it is, is to live yoked to Jesus. Then the Holy Spirit empowers us, this breath in our lungs where you go, oh, this feels right. 
the wind in our sails all of a sudden, it becomes easy and light. Not that it is meaningless and, and small, but it could be great and amazing, big purpose, but all of a sudden you've just got wind in your sails. Why? Well, because it is in the right path. You are yoked to the right person. See, we are called, church, to live a God-centered life. And as we move closer and closer to that in worship, in our prayer, in all of our habits, in our heart, we make this decision to say, God, I'm surrendering all of these me things to you. What would you have me do? Who would you have me to become? Maybe it's pretty similar. Fantastic, good job. But we continue to lay it down at His feet. When we do this, we find an exchange takes place. We exchange our own yoke for His. One that has burdens attached to it all of a sudden becomes light. All of a sudden becomes easy. A yoke that has freedom. A yoke that brings healing. That brings a greater purpose. That brings eternal hope. When we join with Jesus. Galatians 5. Paul writes this way. He says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Don't let yourself become burdened again by being yoked to the old way. The old Lord, by trying to achieve it yourself, he's talking here about trying to follow the law to gain what Jesus wants to give freely. But that old way is, it's all on me. That I have to achieve this, that I need to make sure that I follow A, B, C, that I do all the right things. He said, no, no, come to me. It was for freedom that Jesus has set us free. It's for freedom's sake that He says, hey, stop playing on the road, there are trucks. So have freedom in the Father's house where there is blessing, where there is favour, healing and power. But don't be yoked back to the old way of living, back to that self-lordship, that self-at-the-centre kind of living, because it is a trap. And this is what I've found in my life for freedom, is that it is mostly found when living independence of Jesus, not independent of Him that we find freedom in this God-centered life. And living in dependence or the dependency in God, it doesn't just free us from our past, but it prepares us for our future. It prepares us for the things that He's called us to do, which is far greater than my plans for my life. I am too accustomed to slumming it around in the mud to understand the glory and the good things that God has ahead of me. I need to constantly surrender that. So I don't know for you what God is talking to you about. I have a fair idea. I understand a bit of the Bible of what He talks to all of us about laying down, about reorientating ourselves. And I know what He's trying to talk to me about. But for you, there might be some specific things that He goes, come on, it is time to surrender. It is time to lay those opinions down, those preferences, those comforts, those things that are keeping you from the will of God, from the plan of God on your life. There are some mud pies that you are holding onto going, but I just like it, that God is saying, stop playing in the mud. I have something far greater for you to grab hold of. And it's difficult, but there is a greater joy set before you, church. Can you take your eyes off the things that you might have to let go of and pick them back up on the hope that we have in Jesus? Would you take your eyes off the sacrifice that you might feel that you have to make? Or I don't wanna give this up. It's like every Sunday when it comes to the giving time, you just go, oh, I'm gonna have to give up. It's like, no, but look at what is before me. With my time commitments, with my habits at home and my conversation in public, oh, this is kind of my default. This is just who I am. 
when He goes, I've got something greater for you to be. Keep our eyes up, church. That there is greater joy ahead. What is it for you? My prayer for you is that we would be a church and a people who would start to claw our way out of the mud because we've been invited into the kingdom. Paul, would you pray with me, church? Father, I thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross for us. And I'm very grateful that he followed through on it. Oh, the temptation to walk away for comfort, for preference, for, for anything else would have been so great. And yet, Jesus, you said not your will, but Father's will be done. Lord, help us live the same kind of life. Lord, that we might see some level of impact in, in this world, that it impacts it for eternity, not just, not just little things here and there, Lord, that, but it would compound to make eternal differences in, across this world. Lord, help us identify these things that at the right time, Lord, that we, we can't transform ourselves all in one hit, Lord, but you are revealing step by step to each of us right now. Help us identify our next step, our next surrender, our next renewing of our mind, Lord. That as we move closer to you, Lord, that we find ourselves all of a sudden taking this great exchange and all of a sudden pursuing you becomes a little easier because your Holy Spirit is breathing. It's your that wind in our sails will reveal to us the great joy that is ahead of us as we follow your path and your plan for our life. Greater than anything that we would have for ourselves is what you have before each one of us, Lord, when we put you at the center. In this moment of worship, maybe you have never made the decision to say yes to Jesus, to ask God into your life and say, hey, I want to follow you and, and see what you could do in me and through me. This is that first moment of saying, God, I want to put you in there. Maybe you've never made that choice, or maybe you have and you're feeling this, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and you, this is the moment that you say, hey, I've drifted off. I'm coming back, though. This is time to resurrender. If that's you tonight, would you just, between you and God, would you raise your hand in the air as that outward sign of the inward decision to say, God, I want to know you again. God, I want to come back to you. Would you come into my life? Lord, I want to follow you. Is that you tonight? Thank you. Anyone else tonight? Fantastic. There's a number of people this morning as well. Thanks. That's so good. Church, would we celebrate with these people today? That's great. And I just want to invite you, if you're a believer, would you pray for them as well? And a number of people this morning as well. Would we pray together? Because they're not in it by themselves. I just want to show you an example of a prayer. You can put it in your own words, either now or later at home. Because it's not the combination of words that does it. It's your heart and that confession of your mouth to say, God, I want to know you. He wants to hear from you. So would, let's pray together, hey? So Father, I thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross for us, that he rose again. Lord, that He conquered my sin, my shame, my guilt. Lord, that I can be free. Lord, thank You, these people who made the decision tonight that they are a son or a daughter of Yours and that's something that was freely given, not earned by them. And I pray that You continue to reveal to them their next step to, to experiencing You more and more to greater degrees tomorrow and the day after and the day after, whatever those steps may be. Help them, Holy Spirit, to live the powerful, courageous life that is required when we follow You. Lord, help them into freedom. Help them experience your purpose, that they make a difference. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. 
We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose and to make a difference. If you feel moved by today's message and want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.au on Facebook or Instagram or head to the highlandschurch.org.au website for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Message Podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon.